Forgiveness 101. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 25. And as you're turning, if you will stand for the reading of God's word. Praise God, praise God. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 35. Now, I realize that this is not a message and a subject title that is going to get rebel rousing. People are not going to want to run the aisles on this one. Contain yourselves, please. But we'll try to make it through. Amen. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 35. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. I'll explain why he said that in a little bit. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but to 70 times 7. Now, for those of you that aren't the greatest in math, that's 490 times. Now, I don't know about you. I've met a few people that have pushed that number for me. (laughs) For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the Lord uh, Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, And seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me and I will repay you all. The same thing that he earlier said to the king. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave. I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have have mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. Verse 35, catch very carefully. My heavenly Father, everybody say that's God, will also do the same to you. If each of you, poke your neighbor and say, are you an each? You say, yes. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you. If each of you does not forgive his brother, watch this, from your heart. Wow. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you are great. Holy Spirit, I have sensed your presence in here since I've walked in the doors. I pray now you will arrest our attention for the next few moments. That you will speak right through me, God. Not one word of my own, but every word from the throne of God. Let this seed be planted in the good soil of our hearts. And God, let there be freedom to forgive in this house right now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Hold your Bibles up and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears 
Anoint my heart. Anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen. High five somebody and say there's freedom to forgive in the house. So recently I had a heart to heart with someone and uh, in a conversation and they told me they didn't appreciate a letter that I wrote to them many years ago. They felt that what I had to say in the letter was wrong, it was misconstrued, and, uh, and it was inaccurate. It was an attack on their character, and I had misunderstood a situation that had happened. They even said to me, and I still got the letter. <laughs> you could feel the heat coming from them. You could see the countenance change. You could feel the vibes that they were not very happy. Anybody ever been there before? You ever been there before? So I had no memory of writing the letter, which I told them. I don't even remember writing the letter. And I, and I went back in my mind and the timeline, and I was about 23 years old. I'm now 48, which means this person held on to this letter with anger for 25 years years to the point of telling me and I still got it and you're going to see it again when they were they were angry that is unforgiveness our lives are like rings on a tree if you take a tree that has fallen over perhaps from a hurricane perhaps from a maybe you just chopped it down it was dying whatever and you and you get the cross section and you look at the rings. The rings tell you of the historical development of that tree. They do more than just tell you the age. You know the process. Count the rings. You'll know how old it is. It'll do far more than that. It will even tell you of significant events that had a bearing on the way the tree was developed. Ring, a big drought. Ring, too much rain. Ring, a forest fire. Ring. Blight or disease. And so all of this is recorded in the rings of this tree beneath the bark. And it represents literally an autobiography of that tree. So that arborists and people who study them can tell, well, you know, 30 years ago there was a drought here. 25 years ago was a fire there. And you can see by the rings and how they are what that tree went through in its life. You know, the same is with us. Beneath our protective bark, beneath our facades, our Sunday smiles, everything is well in our mask, there are recorded rings that reveal the development history of our lives. Ring, running from a drunken parent who's trying to hurt you. Ring, little girl sexually abused by a near relative and now, today, she can't enjoy it a healthy married relationship, and her husband can't understand what is her problem. But there's a memory that haunts her every waking moment. Ring, being bitten, beaten by a parent whose temper is raging. Ring, emotional abuse of being called stupid, and you'll never amount to anything. Did you know that almost 100% of prisoners in the prison system were told they were stupid and would never amount to anything? 
ring, a marriage that was abusive and horrific. So now all men are pigs and all women are witches. And those rings affect how you view things and your perspective on life and what's going on. Here's a good one. Ring, offense and hurt at church. So now all church people are fakes and frauds and all churches are hypocritical. So I don't go to church no more because nobody's the real deal. And and it's all just a big mess. And so now I've been out of church five, six years because I have a wound of unforgiveness. Ring, what someone said to you or did to you. Why is it so hard to forgive? Why do we hold grudges? Bitter feelings and hard hearts. You see, an unforgiving heart, I believe, is in the top probably three issues that every person has to deal with. Because how many of you know we have plenty of opportunity to hold on to unforgiveness if we want? How many know what I'm talking about? People say things. People do things. Marriages are affected by it. Your emotional health is affected by it. Even generations are affected by it. There are generations of people that can't stand a people group and they don't even know why. There are generations of people who can't stand church people, don't even know why. There are generations of people that will say, yeah, oh, crazy Uncle Fred, I don't have nothing to do with him. And they never had an interaction with Uncle Fred. But they had heard the unforgiveness from their grandfather and from their father. And now they've taken ownership of that unforgiveness. And they can't stand great Uncle Fred. They don't even met, never met the guy. How many know what I'm talking about? Am I preaching real stuff here today? Forgiveness is all about conversations, decisions, and memories. Matthew 18 is a great chapter on forgiveness, and it starts with the process of forgiveness. So watch where it starts. In this chapter, verse 15, we didn't read it, but it's on the overhead now, not the overhead, LED screen, sorry. I'll never hear the end of it. I went a couple months without it, but I got it again. Oh, Lord help me. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. So it always starts with something that has gone wrong, and it ends, chapter 18, with a parable of the unforgiven servant. So chapter 18 begins, somebody did something wrong to this person, and it ends with they decided to hold on to unforgiveness. So the one guy owes the king, watch this, what is the equivalent of a trillion dollars. He pleads with the guy. The king says, I'll tell you what. He compassionately and immediately forgives them all. This guy leaves this great pardon and goes and finds a guy who owes him money and begins to choke the life out of him, demanding his money. Watch this, which is the equivalent, watch, of one one millionth of what he owed the other guy. And I think what God is trying to tell us is, hey, when you want to hold on to unforgiveness towards somebody of what they said and did, it's one one millionth, if even that, of what we have done to God. God instantly and compassionately forgives us. How would you like to live life if God forgave you of your wrongs the way you forgave other people of what they've done? How predictable human nature is. Look what Matthew 18, 21 says. I love this. Peter's always a mess. We had a great message at the conference this week about this, but I want you to see this. Peter comes to him and says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. He thinks he's doing good. Watch. 
Why does he think he's doing good? Because the rabbis taught you only had to do it three times. So in his mind, Simon Peter's thinking, well, I'm going to double it and add one. Jesus is going to be proud of me. Jesus says, Simon Peter, Simon Peter, verse 22, watch this. Look at the next verse. Jesus said to him, I do not say unto you up to 77 times, but up to 70 times 7. I mean, I could just see Simon Peter walking up. Hey, Jesus, am I going to have, you know, up to 7 times? Is that good for you? And he says, no, 490. You know, this is like one of those... 490, you can't even do somebody wrong 490 times in a day. And I think that was Jesus Christ's point. So point number one is this. Forgiveness is about conversations. Everybody say conversations. So the wrong happens in verse 15. Watch what happens here. Watch what Jesus says. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. That's the goal. Listen, the goal, go back to that verse if you will. The goal is not if they listen to you as you berate them, then you have gotten your point across and they had to listen to you and you got them. That's not what he says. He says when we have an issue with our brother or sister, we go to them, point it out, watch this, in order to reconcile and renew the relationship, win them back over. Somebody say that's good preaching right there. Jesus is a great preacher. Watch this. Watch the next verse. So it starts with a conversation. Verse 16. You go to the next one, if you will. But if they will not listen, he says, then take one or two others along. Get you a couple of witnesses. Hey, we've tried this one way. You're not listening. I'm trying to reconcile this. But if they will not listen, take one or two so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Then he goes on to say, if they still refuse to listen, if they still refuse to do what's right and you can't get it fixed, he says, tell it to the church. If they refuse to listen, even to the church, watch what Jesus says to do. Treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. In other words, they're not acting like a Christian. So you treat them like a pagan or a a tax collector. If you're going to win within with forgiveness, it starts with a conversation. And a conversation is not an argument. It is not an attack. It is an appeal. Have you ever had someone apologize to you, but it really wasn't an apology. It was more... You. How many have ever felt that before? They came at you with both barrels and they were not appealing to you. They were attacking you. That is not the spirit in which Jesus says for us to go to someone who has wronged us. It is not, conversation here is not about attacking someone. It is not about getting them. It is not about arguing. It is simply an appeal that says, hey, I've been hurt. We need to get this fixed. Someone say amen. It is a sincere desire to win your brother or sister. It is a genuine attempt to reconcile the relationship. It is a genuine attempt to remove the source of the ongoing offenses and get it fixed. Without that conversation, watch this, you and I will continue to get bitter. How many of you can have been in a place in your life where you could look at the situation that happened And you relive it in your mind and you can feel the heat and the anger. Anybody like that? Okay, we have a couple of honest people here. (laughs) 
How many of you can relive a situation in your mind as you're driving to work and you don't even realize it as you're driving and you're gripping the steering wheel and you're gritting your teeth and you're thinking, I'm going to kill him. And it didn't just happen. It happened months or years ago. How many know what I'm talking about? What that conversation without it, it's, you're going you're gonna to go down. Don't attempt either. Listen, to have the conversation via text or email. <laughs> because you can't read body language in a text or an email. You can't read tones of voice. You can't read countenance. And listen, even if you're the world's greatest at interpreting what a text says and the inflections and the tones and what they were really trying to say... Don't you think for a minute the devil doesn't want you reconciled? So when you read that text, the devil's going to help you interpret it the complete opposite way of what that person meant it. How many know what I'm talking about? You deal with a conversation in person so that you can get it handled. Watch what Leviticus says about this. Leviticus 19.17. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. That's what unforgiveness does. But watch this, you shall reason frankly with your neighbor. In other words, go to that person and frankly tell them. Don't beat around the bush. Tell them all that has hurt you, how it made you feel. Get it all on the table. Go reason frankly. Everybody say frankly. With your neighbor. Watch this. Lest you incur sin because of him. What Jesus is saying here is what they do to you will actually cause you to incur sin because you're holding hatred and unforgiveness in your heart towards them. Now, that doesn't seem fair to me. Jesus, they're the ones that did this. They're the ones that had it. Why should I be the one to forgive? Because forgiveness has nothing to do with what they did. It has everything to do with you being free and clear of all that. Forgiveness has nothing to do with that other person. It has to do with you being set free. Face your problem. Quit avoiding it. Accept your responsibility. You've got to do something. Ask yourself, do I want to be healed? Ask yourself, am I tired of feeling the heat and the anger of something that happened so long ago? Do I want the sin in my heart gone? Have that tough conversation in an effort to walk in forgiveness. Listen, when I was confronted about the letter I wrote years ago, I told him, I said, I was 22. But as I went back in my mind and I put the timeline, I realized I was 23 years old. I said to him, I said, listen, I was 22. Okay, so I was 23. I'm 23. I was young. I was immature. I had a wife. I had one kid and one in the bread basket. I was making $250 a week being a full-time youth pastor. My wife couldn't work. I worked my days off, extra jobs, whatever I could do to figure out how to put food on the table. Our little family of four, I remember the days where we lived off of $50 a week. That was our grocery budget. We had no cable. We never ate out. We didn't go to movies. We had nothing. As my dad would say, we didn't have a pot to pee in or a window to throw it out. Yes, I said it in church. <laughs> How many's ever been there before where I've been? I said, I'm trying to figure out how to be a husband at 23. 
how to be a daddy times two, how to work. I, I have no idea. I don't even know. I have no memory of this letter I wrote. I'm young. I'm immature. I don't even know nothing. We had nothing. I explained the context of the situation. I apologize. I said, I'm, I'm sorry for hurting you, for, for misunderstanding the situation. I could tell he received my explanation to a certain degree. <laughs> but it was clear he wanted me to know I was wrong. He was angry and hurt over this for 25 years. I might say 25 years. That's just astounding to me. He even said, and you're a minister. I said, what, that time I just started. <laughs> I'm telling you, he was hot. Listen, what do you think might have happened if he had come to me 24 years and 11 months ago? You think maybe we could have cleared it up? You think maybe 25 years wouldn't have gone by? You're going to see that letter again? I, I think so. Are you still bitter and angry with someone over something that has been a misunderstanding? Are you, are you mad and angry at a situation or a person? And if you would just talk to them, you'd find out it was just the, the whole thing was just a misunderstanding. Have you decided to have that conversation to clear the air? If you're going to win within with forgiveness, you got to begin with a conversation. Someone say amen. I'm preaching better than your amen today. Amen. <laughs> and that leads to point number two. Not only is forgiveness about conversations, forgiveness is about decisions. Everybody say decision. If you're going to win within with forgiveness, you've got to decide to forgive. Listen, forgiveness is an act of the will, not of the emotions. Forgiveness is the act of, a, of the will, not of the emotions. As a matter of fact, the word forgive in Greek is actually a legal term. No emotions whatsoever. In the Greek language, when you see the word forgive in the New Testament, it is a legal term and there is no emotion in a court of law. How you feel about it matters nothing. What you decide to do with that hurt and pain matters everything. Forgiveness is the equivalent of signing an IOU as paid in full. Glory to God. It is canceling a mortgage. It is canceling a debt they owe you. It is the act of setting someone free from an obligation to you that is a wrong done against you. It is simply a decision that is emotionless. It's like a person deciding not to testify against someone who committed a crime. Well, because there's no witness to testify, the judge will say, well, there's no one here to testify against you. You are free to go. In, in essence, that person has been given forgiveness. And what Jesus is saying is, just don't get on the witness stand. Just let it go. How many of you know God has a way of getting to all of us? How many of you know you don't get away? anything in the kingdom of God. You, we reap what we sow. So do not think they're getting away with anything, but make sure your heart is right with God. Amen. Forgiveness involves three things, an injury, a debt, and the cancellation of debt. Now watch this. We have one thing to do in the process. They injured, they created the debt, our response and our only option is to be the spiritual person in the matter and forgive and cancel the debt. Somebody shout amen. amen. Let it go. Holding on to unforgiveness uh, uh, and what someone did to you will only hurt you. 
Listen, this person was mad and angry at me for over 25 years, and I had no recollection of it. Could it be that you are mad and angry at someone over what they said or did, and they don't even remember it? It's not hurting them. It's hurting you. Holding on to unforgiveness will destroy you. Holding on to unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire hoping they'll die of smoke inhalation. Yeah. Holding on to unforgiveness is like you taking a cyanide pill hoping they die of poisoning. They studied 10,000 cancer patients. Listen. And they asked them hundreds of questions. They were trying to find a common thread. The foods they ate. Were they out in the sun? All kind of questions you can imagine. And they said, we want to find, is, is there a commonality, a single commonality in all 10,000 cancer patients? Now, this is one study done. And they found one commonality. It wasn't foods they ate. It wasn't they got sunburned outside. It wasn't they... You know, we're behind the car and the carbon dioxide. Got, and, all, you know, everything has a cause of cancer now. None of that stuff. The one commonality they found in all 10,000 cancer patients was that they were struggling and dealing with unforgiveness. All 10,000, 100% of them had unforgiveness in their heart toward a parent, toward a loved one, toward somebody who had done them wrong or, or didn't meet their expectations or whatever it was. So they are literally now seeming to tie cancer to unforgiveness. Joseph was sold by his brothers. Later he had the power to have them killed, yet he helped them out. That is forgiveness, a decision. He probably didn't feel butterflies at his brothers. I'm sure Joseph probably looked and thought, Oh, you better be glad I'm right with God. Like the one guy, the one guy looked at the preacher and he said, well, you don't act like a Christian right now. He said, brother, the fact that you're still wearing the nose on the right side of your face is proof I'm saved and a Christian right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Here's what Stephen did. Acts 7, 60. Watch this. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold that sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. It was a decision. We're crazy if we think Stephen said, oh, God, just forgive them for killing me. They're all good. No, I'm sure he had hurt in his heart, but he made a decision, an emotionless decision that said, God, forgive them for what they're doing. I know someone else who prayed that prayer, Luke 23, 33 through 34, and I'm so glad he did. When they came to the place that is called the skull where they crucified him, and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left, that was you and I representing us. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Somebody say amen. amen. Aren't you glad Jesus forgave us of all the dumb stuff we've ever done? Jesus made a decision to forgive. Listen, when the person who confronted me over the letter from 25 years ago, I apologized again, and he he said it again. You know, here's what you did after I had already talked. Again, I explained the context. Again, I realized we're circling the wagon here. So I forced him to make a decision. I said, okay. I said, you've said your piece. I've explained this. Now let me just ask you, will you forgive me? I forced him to make a decision. Either you're going to walk away with unforgiveness in your heart or you're going to forgive this and we're going to be done with this. 
He said, well, yes. <laughs> well, I wasn't feeling the warm fuzzies, but I took it. I said, okay. I said, well, go home and get the letter and burn it because I don't want to see it. Amen? <laughs> if you're going to win within with forgiveness, you have to decide right now to forgive. Don't hold on to anything in the past. Well, I got the letter. No, burn it. You don't need to see it anymore. Let it go. And point number three is this. Forgiveness is also about memory. So forgiveness is about conversations. Forgiveness is about making a decision. And forgiveness is about memories. What do I mean by that? People often confuse forgiving with forgetting. Listen to this. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, a well-known expert on the human brain, says that our subconscious mind records every experience in a memory tree. That's why if you've ever dealt with pornography, it's hard to get that out of your mind. It just it gets attached in there, whatever it is you've been in life, and it sticks. And every tree, watch this, she says, is covered in emotions. This is in your subconscious. So when someone mentions that person or that incident... The emotions jump right into your conscious mind feelings. How many know what I'm talking about? You can be fine and everything rosy, and someone mentioned that person, and immediately, ugh. You know I'm preaching the truth. And the only way to get rid of those feelings is to plant a new tree with Scripture and new memories. That's what Joseph did. He did this exact thing with his brothers. Look what he said in Genesis 15 and 20. You intended to harm me. You sold me out. You were going to kill me in the cistern. You sold me to Ishmaelites. You ruined my life. You thought you had me. You intended to harm me. Watch this. He's deciding to forgive and make new memories. But God. Everybody say, but God. That is the answer for unforgiveness. That is the answer for the anger and the hostility you feel toward that person, toward that incident, toward that church person. Everybody shout, but God. Matter of fact, the next time that that memory comes up and you start to feel the heat of that, you just need to shout out, but God. Glory to God. I mean, you need to be walking down the mall and go, but God. Oh, no. Listen, you need to come in church, and when you see him, just, but God. Brother, we're going to have to come out prayer, but God. Pastor Dallas, but God. That's the answer, but God. But God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. In other words, Joseph said, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to let it go because I know God had a greater purpose. Wow. You plant a new tree in your emotions by letting go of the old memory and creating new ones. But the only way you can create new memories without the hurt, the pain, and the bitterness is by letting go of that hurtful event. If you're going to win within with forgiveness, you are going to have to make new memories. This person chose to forgive. They communicated. They forgave. There was, there was a third party actually in that. And that third party looked at this person and said, well, are you going to forgive or not? That person decided to. And you could see, yes, and he kind of smiled. Yeah, let it go. I forgive. And you could see the heat leave his body language. You could see his countenance change. And now there's an opportunity for a tender, real relationship. Minus all that. 
Forgiveness through conversation and a decision has recreated a new relationship and potentially a beautiful one. But it could have been done 24 years ago. It didn't have to wait a quarter of a century. Martin Luther was asked, how do you forgive? When I've dealt with so much pain, Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., but Martin Luther, the great reformer in the 1400s, the one who taught the church. It ain't about, you know, all this other stuff. It's about forgiveness, faith in Christ. He, he's the father, the champion of our faith in Christ, rebringing that to the world. Someone asked, I, I just, this person, I can't let it go. I just, I feel this anger. How do you let it go? How do you get rid of it? I mean, I say I forgive, but I, I can't get over it. He took him to the top of a bell tower, and he took that rope to that bell, and he began to swing it, and boy, that thing was going side to side. Ding, 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 ding. And then he let go of the rope. Well, at first, because of the momentum, nothing happened. But because of gravity and the law of inertia, what happened? That bell began to slowly until there was, it was still swinging, but no dinging. And then finally, eventually it stopped. He said, that is what forgiveness is all about. Letting go of the rope. And refusing to take it back. Conversations are about letting go of the rope. Decisions. You've got to decide today, I'm letting go of the rope. Making new memories is about letting go of the rope. And walking away from the incident. Someone say amen. amen. If you're going to win right now with forgiveness, you've got to let ro- go of that rope today, right now. These are the three essential components in helping you forgive. Watch the small debt someone owes you next to the gigantic, enormous debt God forgave us. Which of these is most difficult for you, and what do you need to begin with today? To have final peace with God, you've got to forgive your enemies and those that have wronged you. This is, this is not true of forgiveness. Watch this. I'll write a note, and I'll tell this person I'm sorry, and I'll mail it to them when I'm dead. Hand this to Billy Joe Bob when I'm dead. I don't want them seeing it before, though. I'll forgive, but I hope I never again see their face. God, I know I got to forgive my brother, but I sure hope they live on the other side of heaven. That's not forgiveness. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says this. For if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly father will what? But if you do not forgive others, then your father will not forgive your transgressions. You know, we're taught the unpardonable sin is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, but did you know there's actually two unpardonable sins? There's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and there's unforgiveness. Because God said in the book, if you don't forgive, he will not forgive you. Ephesians 4.32-5.2 through 5, 2 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, Just as God in Christ also has what? Forgiven you. Now, we put chapters and verses to help read the Bible, but it was originally one letter. So we'll say, well, that's the end of the chapter. It's a new thought in the next chapter. Uh Uh-uh. It's the same letter minus chapter and verses. We're the ones that put that in later. But the very next sentence says this. 
Therefore, be imitators of God. How do we imitate God as beloved children and walk in love? Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. In other words, God said, when we choose to forgive, we're acting like God. Now, I'm going to teach you a little song that we learned years ago about this. You're going to love it. And you can remember forgiveness by this. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Ooh. <laughs> Ephesians 4.32. Amen. Come on, I get to deserve a round of applause for that. Yes. So right now, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit what needs to be dealt with in your life. Would you just bow your heads? Close your eyes. Only the Holy Spirit knows where to go today. Look, I can only generalize, but he knows your deepest need right now. I want to tell you and prophesy to you that you can be free from unforgiveness right now. I want to prophesy with authority and tell you you are not bound to unforgiveness anymore. I want to finally prophesy and tell you you are free to forgive. Glory to God. just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what is he speaking to you right now? If you're dealing with some area of unforgiveness in your heart, and I know the Holy Spirit put this message on me today for somebody in here. I want you to slip your hand in the air. I'm not going to ask you to come down, but I want to pray with you. Someone, God bless you. Is there anyone else? Just, just hold your hand up. Hold your hands up. There's hands everywhere. There's just hands everywhere. Here's what I want you to do. I want, I want everybody to put your hands down. That's what the Lord laid on my heart to do. I want you to look up at me. I want you to show. I want to show you what we're going to do. I think they're going to play something, maybe softly. I want you to think about whatever that is. That ex-wife, that ex-husband, that parent, that uncle, that boss, that church member, that pastor, whatever it is. I want you to think about that. Look, look up at me. I want you to see this. In just a moment, I want you to hold your hands over your heart like you're like it's in there because it is in there and when I tell you here's what we're going to do we're all going to do this we're just going to grab that in our hands like this hold our hands out and when I count to three we're going to open our hands and let it go and I'm telling you the Holy Spirit's going to wash over you and parental wounds and hurts that have haunted you for years are going to be gone The raw deal you got in your marriage is going to be gone. The sibling wounds are going to be gone. <laughs> I'm telling you, under the authority of being the pastor of this church, it's going to be gone. Do not doubt. God's going to strike it from your heart. So I want you to take whatever that is. If you want to close your eyes, that's fine. I just want you to hold, hold your hand over your heart. I want you to think about that hurt. Think about that pain. Think about that unforgiveness. If you're watching online right now, I want you to do it in your living room or your car. 
As a matter of fact, if you're watching online, send this to every friend on Facebook. Everybody you know, everybody needs this message. You got it? You got it in your hand? Here, I want you to just close your, close your hands like you're pulling it out of your heart. And just hold your hands in front of you. Hold your arms outstretched. You got it in your hand now. It's out of your heart. Don't open them just yet. But here's what I want to declare. I want you to pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me as I forgive them. I forgive this incident. I forgive this words. I, I forgive this person. I release them and I release my unforgiveness to you now in Jesus' name. All right, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Come on, just shake your hands. Make sure it's all gone. <laughs>